Welcome to On The Verge. This podcast will highlight interviews from entrepreneurs, musicians, and professional golfers. It will center around what tools they have used to help them reach their dreams, how they use golf to further their career, whether it be for escape from the rigors of their profession or to build more business, and how the communitas of wine, music, and golf enrich their lives. This is all about the enjoyment of life, rising above the struggles, and stretching past the best to be better every day. On The Verge. On The Verge is presented by Callaway Golf. Every year, Callaway just keeps pushing and pushing the boundaries when it comes to driver technology. But this year, get ready to push your game further than humanly possible because the new Epic Flash driver with Flash Face technology is shattering the idea of how fast a driver can be. It's Callaway's first ever driver face engineered with artificial intelligence. What's that mean? Using machine learning, Callaway's supercomputer, yes, they have one of those, was able to test, refine, tweak, and retest over 15,000 different faces to find the fastest one. That's flash face technology. These same AI calculations would take your laptop 34 years to complete. When you engineer a driver face with artificial intelligence and pair it with revolutionary jailbreak technology, it transforms the way a driver is made. Yet again, and it's not just in a driver, AI created flash face in the fairy woods too. It's not just another fast driver. This is the future of distance technology. Learn more at callawaygolf.com slash AI. Welcome to On The Verge. Today's guest is possibly the most important person in my, my business arsenal. He's helped me, he's helped so many of my clients and he lives in a world that is misunderstood, and we're going to help demysteriously take it away. Uh, his name is Steve Rame. He's a master hypnosis trainer. Uh, he's really one of the most important people to me, and I want to share his story and see how his knowledge and life can help shape yours. Steve, how are you today, buddy? Man, I'm doing great. Good to see you, Virgil. Good to see you, man. Well... First thing I gotta I gotta ask because I'm not even sure I've ever even asked this question. How did you f- find yourself in this hypnosis space? <laughs> uh, well, sadly, out of years of self destruction, yeah, uh, I was a smoker, and uh, that was actually that was one of the better things I was doing to myself at the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I was smoking two packs a day. And, uh, of course, you know, I've mm-hmm. got a beautiful daughter who's down at LSU, mm-hmm. kicking butt down there. Yep. And uh, that's when I found out she was on the way and uh, ended up getting hypnotized to quit smoking. And the whole thing, honestly, it, it just it blew my mind uh, because I'd tried for probably two and a half years to quit and uh, just couldn't muster up the willpower or whatever else I needed to, to put them down. And uh, got hypnotized by a redneck outside of Murray, Kentucky, <laughs> and uh, walked out of the guy's house, and there was a pack of cigarettes sitting on my passenger seat, and it's like somebody had dropped them in my car. They just, they weren't mine. And I went, okay, <laughs> what just happened in there? Wow. How did that guy do that to me? What just transpired in this relationship? 
and it, uh, it 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 enticed me enough to want to learn. So, just I just wanted to know what had happened. I never thought it was going to turn into anything. You know, I was just kind of dabbling around with sure. it. Started playing around and uh, seeing what I could do with my friends, doing silly stuff. I was uh, sticking their hands to walls and making them forget their names, and uh, it was fun. Yeah, but but it wasn't really serving the world any in any way. And a friend of mine asked me one day if I could help him quit smoking. I'm like, I, I don't know. Let's find out. And uh, we did a session, and he quit smoking. And I'm like, all right, well, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, he went out and told everybody he knew that, hey, Steve, just he did this thing to me. He's, he's doing this hypnosis stuff. And uh, and he helped me quit smoking. So another friend of ours came up and asked me if I could help him. I'm like, I, I don't know. Let's find out. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. playing around with this stuff. And he quit smoking. And uh, th- then he went out and told everybody. And a friend of his approached me, and I didn't know him, so I charged him. Yeah. And uh, that's when the business started. <laughs> that oh, was about awesome. 20 years ago. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, uh, for everybody out there who's wondering, like, well, how in the world, Virgil, did you figure out mm-hmm. Steve? Okay, so I remember early in my life, my dad telling me that Muhammad Ali would be hypnotized before he go into the ring. Yep. And you know, I heard it. I didn't poo-poo it or anything. I just never really thought of it as an advantage. Yeah. So in the Tiger Woods phenomena, <clears throat> so he, you know, he hits the scene in '97 and. By 2000, he's playing the greatest golf that there's ever been played, and now mm-hmm. everybody's writing a book on every single part of his life, and there was a book that came out that said, Think Like Tiger, yep. so I bought it. So Think Like Tiger goes into this situation where he was being trained by Dr. Jay Brunzo, who right. at the time was the military's top uh, guy to help soldiers with PTSD, the Special Forces, Navy SEALs, etc., for mental toughness. And that was who was training Tiger. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to find a <laughs> hypnotherapist. Yeah. So I couldn't, I'm scouring everything. And this is the beginning of the internet too, essentially. Like that as, not as we know it today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't as easy to find you. Right. Then. Right. So um, I'm telling this story over and over again, just because I never knew who I'm going to meet. Mm-hmm. And a guy there and his daughter is a superstar player. Yep. Taylor Manning. Yep. Yep. And he goes, man, I, I, uh, I went to go see this guy to help me quit smoking. And I think he's a hypnot, he's a hypnotist. I'm like, well, give me his name. He goes, I, it's a weird last name. It looks like it's Rome, <laughs> but it says it's Rame. And I said, okay. So I call him up yeah. and, and so I go and I just give him, I tell you the same story yeah. that Tiger Woods is hypnotized hundreds of times Mm -hmm. what does that mean and what can you do in this world of setting anchors or triggers or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. to almost hack the system hack the brain to put yourself in optimal performance and you're as as like almost bored with the topic i can do that (laughs) 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 you said that with such nonchalance you're so confident yeah i got you yeah, and then so we just started, yep. and I f- found the one thing that I didn't like about my game, and you destroyed that, and then I played unbelievable mm-hmm. the next week in, in Band and Dunes. So I come back, and I'm like, well, if that worked, I'm going to do this. And then you fixed it, and I played unbelievable at Valhalla in, the, in a pro-am right before the Ryder Cup. And I'm like, now, why does it always work? So mm. when when you're 
try when I'm we're trying to pass on here without divulging because I don't think you can actually divulge any secrets because at the end of the day you still have to I'll tell you anything you want to know. Yeah. Yeah. What is it that you're doing to the brain? <laughs> or what is it that you're you're doing to help rewire the 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 mind or the subconscious mind to allow these great things to come out of us that we actually have instead of the the prefrontal cortex interfering. What are you doing? Well, yeah, number one, I, I want to I preface this with something. This is j- just like the way you work, because mm-hmm. I've seen you work. You, 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 have, you have an expertise that most people don't have. You, you have the ability to see the body, the angles, you, the, everything that goes on with your players, right? Because you spent years and years and years and years focusing on that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the, what I do is different than a lot of hypnotherapists. Because I don't follow the rules. I, I, I go where I feel like I need to go with my clients because I've done this thousands and thousands of times. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing? Well, there, there's several things. Number one, we're starting to reframe the stories in the mind that, that typically hold people back. The things that, uh, you know, the, 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 the I can't do this or I'm not good enough to do this or I'm going to screw this up or whatever it is. So we, we have to teach the mind to, to create a new story. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, we're actually starting, we actually literally are beginning to rewire the brain. Because when people get caught up in, in specific situations, let's say, uh, well, let's use an anxiety as an example. Yeah. When, when somebody has an anxiety and they experience it over and over and over, what happens is the neurons in the brain that are attached to that experience, because when you have any experience in life, whatever it is, it's firing off a network of neural connections in your brain that, that create that experience for you. Okay, mm-hmm. so anytime you have an anxiety and it's repeated over and over and over, it's literally beginning to hardwire those neural connections. Okay, now something we know, and this is this has been awesome because <clears throat> neuroscience is actually validating what I've been doing for years, and I didn't know it yeah. until just a few years ago. That uh, it, when we fire off, let, let's say let's say somebody comes to work with me. And, uh, you know, I, I work with all my clients through, through video conferencing, so they could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. But what, what I'm doing with them initially is starting to uh, fire off that, that anxiety. I want to get, I want to light up that, that neural network. It's almost like plugging in a Christmas tree because it's going to light up the same way every single time. Yeah. The thing is, once that neural network is fired off, we have anywhere from 20 minutes to six hours, depending on the individual, to rewire those things because that network becomes plastic. So from there, we can start to connect, we can create uh, uh, future events and start to attach those resources to that old network. So it's almost like taking a new strand of lights, putting it on the Christmas tree and plugging it in. Mm-hmm. So now the, the, the lights that were fired off before, some of them are still firing off the same way, but they're, they're never going to fire off the same way completely they ever did before. And the more of those things we can plug in there and we can start to change those neural networks, it literally changes the outcome of the person's experiencing. Got it. So, so there really, there's, there's, there's not just the, the mental side of it, not just the unconscious side of it, there's physical changes that are happening in the body when we do this. So when you're, is it, is it NLP? Is it the neuro-linguistic neuro, programming? Neuro-linguistic that, programming. That, yeah. that helps re, rewire that? Because um, how, like, how is that it, NLP occurring? is a, it's a set of tools, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, and it's, just, well, just like any toolbox, it depends on who's holding the tools and how they're using them. Yeah. Uh, but NLP can be used for that. But the thing is, there's no NLP without hypnosis. That's right. 
uh, because NLP came from Gestalt therapy, family therapy, and hypnotherapy uh, from Fitz, Fritz Pearls, Virginia Satir, and uh, Milton Erickson. Milton has basically been my, you know, my uh, my Allah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because what he did was so amazing. That, uh, but the problem with that is that when those guys were studying Erickson, they were missing most of what he was doing. And, and that's, I think that's what I've, because I've watched Erickson videos over and over. I, I was no, unfortunately not fortunate enough to sit in the room with him. Sure. Because uh, he died when I was 10, uh, almost 10. And, uh, but, but it's what he was doing was recognizing things that are happening in the body, the subtleties, just like you're doing when you're working with your students, mm-hmm. you know, because I, again, I, I just watched you a few minutes ago working with one of your students and, and you're picking up on the minutia. Yeah. This is smallest things, and that's what Erickson was aware of when he was working with his clients. So when something would change, he could recognize that something just shifted there. Okay, now now if it's the way we want it to go, let's amplify that. If it's not, what can we learn from that so mm-hmm. we can turn it back around and go the other way? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, NLP, it's a set of tools, but uh, but it's a great set of tools to have in the right hands. Yeah, no doubt. Well, one of the, the, the more fascinating things that, that we've done together is, and this is why I, I want to put this out here for people because with this broader reach that I have now, it's you know, get people to understand what it is that's going on. So one of the first things we did, which was the glove mm-hmm. and using yeah. the auditory, the sound of the glove, mm-hmm. the Velcro ripping, yep. was a thing that I wanted. I wanted to have something that I was in the office because I, one of the, my bigger challenges was I'd never turned myself off between shots. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to the sixth or seventh hole, I was mentally tired. You're because fried. I, was, I was fried. Yeah. So we had to learn how to get in and out of the office. Yep. So I needed to have an in, which was the Velcro, and an out as well. So talk to us about when, when, when somebody says that they want things to occur. So what is use mine for an example? Okay. Yeah. With that I wanted to learn how to just be kind of walking down the fairway and instead of thinking about golf, 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 golf. Yeah. I'm thinking about trees look beautiful. I love this golf course. Right. Listen to the birds, feel the wind in my face. These things are really important yeah. for people that they don't, they, I think they really underestimate the extroversion of life and how getting into flow state and zone has a lot to do with taking more things in. Mm-hmm instead of blocking more things out. Well, I think it's really important, especially out on the course, because uh, and in tournament play, when these guys, are their, their mind is stuck in, in game play all day. Yeah. And they never, they never allow themselves to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, and it can cause a lot of extra stress that they don't need. Uh, but the thing is, you know, with, with like the Velcro, see, the thing is, our, our brains are association-making machines. And if you experience a state and you attach it to something often enough, it, those things become equal, yeah. right? So uh, it's Pavlovian, really. You talk about Pavlov and his dogs. Yeah. You know, he'd ring the bell, the dogs would salivate because it's what he taught them to do. You know, it's what he understood was that when this happens, this happens. And that's what those, that's what the, uh, that's what the, this is. We're creating those connections. We're creating those associations. So when one thing happens, another thing happens. And, and we can do that. There's various ways of that happening. It can happen because our brain either learns through repetition or stimulation, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you get your guys in here, and, and they hit balls over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and that repetition is what gets it in there. Now, if, if every time they hit a ball the wrong way, you hit them with a stun gun, 
they're going to learn really quickly because there's a lot of stimulation they want to get the hell away from. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Now, but the thing is, if, if we have very little stimulation, it takes more repetition. If we have a lot of stimulation, it takes less. But, but those two are really the things that anchor this stuff in for the brain. But we can do this with hypnosis much quicker than you can do it on your own outside of at a, at a trance state. Hmm. And, and to me, like the most important part for the listener to understand is that just because we're talking about my my particular set, there's actually no limit no. to what you can do. No. Every person has their own issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a person who struggles with, you know, making the ball go too far left, making the ball go too far right, you yep. do something wrong with how you get your grip, how you walk into the ball, there is there is no limit mm-hmm. to what you can anchor. Well, just like the day we went out and you were uh, you were just firing off balls. And I was just talking to you, yeah. just doing this thing. This thing was completely conversational, and we watched it get more narrow yep. as we as as I had that conversation with you, because your mind was focused in on what we what you were doing, as I was delivering hypnotic suggestion to you. So you're 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 actually actually playing put you in a trance, and open your mind up to what I was going to do. Yeah. So yeah, we can we can create anchors. I mean, people do it all the time anyway. They, they do it automatically without even knowing it. Yeah. You know, uh, well, several years ago, I had a job that I, I hated. And uh, I, I, could, I could take you to Kentucky right now. I could take you to this road that I used to drive down every day. And I could show you the telephone pole where I would get nauseous every day going into that office. Hmm. Because that was the connection my mind had with that. Because we're almost there. It's about to get worse from here. That was that was an anchor that my mind created automatically. Obviously, it wasn't one that I wanted. Yeah, you know, and and listeners right now could probably scan their life and start to think about some of the things they experience they don't want to, you know, that uh, that their mind is automatically created for them. Those uh, whether it's on the course or off. Yeah, well, one of the great things that you do outside of helping <laughs> my my players play better golf is that you you do a great job of helping our United States military. Mm-hmm. Uh, with PTSD, yeah, and it's uh, PTSD from the military is our greatest <clears throat> concern with PTSD because they're the ones that help keep us free. Yeah, so they deserve an extra an extra boost of help. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, I want to want to add a caveat to yeah. that because it's not just the military because it's it's first responders. Oh, yeah, it's, it's law enforcement officers, it's it's trauma nurses and ER doctors and people that are dealing with these things on the front lines. You know, they uh, they may not be running into the bullets, but uh, they're dealing with the aftermath of them. Yeah. And uh, so I work with all of those as well, as well as people who've been through various kinds of abuses. Yeah. Because PTSD comes in a lot of different forms. Yes, it does. Yeah. And like to me, I, and I, I just I just put this on Facebook a couple of days ago, and I've told you this to your face fifty times. You have the greatest gift that I have seen to date. I'm 45, and you have demonstrated many times that you have the ability to make me misremember my past. I help you misremember. You help me misremember. Yeah, I don't. I don't make anybody do anything. Uh, very good. Well, yeah, very well I, said. Well, I just, I just want to. I just want to put that out there for anybody <laughs> who's listening because the people call me up sometimes and say, "Can you make me do this?" No, I can't force you into anything. Yeah. If there is a desire to create a change, like I, I get, I've helped you know over forty five hundred people quit smoking, 
And when I get those calls and somebody says, can you make me quit smoking? No. But I thought you were a hypnotist. Well, I am. But I can't make you do anything. You know, I like my friends that I would stick their hands to their walls, you know, when I was first starting this fun stuff out. They, it's not like they're going to be stuck there forever. Because I, I'm, I'm forcing, it was a lot of language patterns and stuff that really got them to stick their hand to that too. But within a couple of minutes, you know, they just, they can walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, with any of this stuff, but there has to be the desire there mm-hmm. to make it happen. So even the stuff that we've worked through, you, you wanted that stuff to be different. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so amazing. Like there's so much trauma out there, mm-hmm. whether it's from war, first responders, physical abuse, sexual abuse, mm-hmm. verbal abuse, which is almost can be, oh, yeah. can be brutal than the oh, physical abuse. Yeah, especially when it's, when it's gone on for years. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and, and from somebody that's supposed to be a person who's supposed to be taking care of you or loving you. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I had that session a few days ago with a woman who's been, uh, been through a, a terribly verbally abusive, verbally abusive uh, uh, marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the ability that you have to help people misremember their past mm-hmm. is literally the most powerful thing I've ever seen. Well, it's so, so talk to us about how that can happen. How are you, how are you doing that? What are you, what are you helping them with? How are you helping them get to that place? Well, it, uh, you know, the thing is when somebody goes through a trauma, what they know now that they didn't know when that trauma was happening was they survived. So if we're, if we're a year after a, after a, a Trump traumatic experience, they made it through whatever those moments were. They just carried them with them because, it, again, it fired off the neural networks in their brain, really lit it up. There's that stimulation, mm-hmm. right? So they didn't need repetition to learn how to do this stuff. So <clears throat> once they get on the other side of that, then they know they've made it. We can go back. I, I can do a little bit of uh, kind of a regression with them where what we do is we start to, through a process that uh, I've developed through lots of different techniques that I've just kind of assimilated, Mm -hmm. uh, I I can take them through and and create such a dissociation from that experience, but at the same time, they're learning things from it, whatever it is. You know, maybe it's just that I don't ever want to experience that again, which in and of itself can be a great learning. Sure. But, but there's always something they can take from it, and they always know that they survived it. So it's a matter of starting to, to create those beliefs in there that, you know, now you've got strength that you didn't have before because you made it through that. Mm-hmm. So now we can start to apply whatever wisdom and knowledge they gain from that to whatever future events they have. And the emotions that were attached to those things don't exist anymore. You know, I worked with a guy uh, several months ago. He was involved in an industrial explosion. And his friend uh, was next to him on the side of the explosion. Uh, and this guy ended up, he lost his right eye, lost his hearing, caved in his chest. He was in uh, multiple, multiple, multiple surgeries. He had nightmares for six years, every single night. Wow. The, the, list, the guy had two pages of medications that he sent me. Because I always ask my clients, what kind of medications are you on? I'm like, Whoa. This is, this is insane. Two pages. I mean, he could basically make a meal out of the pills he was taking. Wow. And, uh, you know, his friend, having been the shield of that explosion, was, uh, 
you know, is one of his best friends. Yeah. And at the end of that, he's he was the situation he was in was, was just horrific. But he'd been through counseling for years and years and years. And my problem, I don't want to put down all psychologists. I'm not putting down psychology. I know there are people out there who really care. Mm -hmm. The problem I have with most counseling, most psychologists is, let's say you you go see a psychologist, you walk in, and, okay, okay, let's talk about your problem. And you start talking about your problem. You talk about your problem. You get that neural network fired off that I was talking about, right? They're just bringing all this pain to the surface, all these emotions to the surface. They look at their watch and go, you know what, our time's up. Why don't you come back next week and we'll see if we can finish this. Now, what just happened? They were going to walk out into their world. That neural network is fired off. I mean, it is. It's lit up like that Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. The brain, it's an association-making machine, starts to attach that state with the environment. So now they go in with a singular issue, a singular anxiety, a singular experience, and now things are triggering it everywhere. Because their mind went, this means that, and that means this. So those triggers, it could be something as simple as, well, 4th of July. I get a lot of phone calls around the 4th of July because just the fireworks, you know, it sets people off. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with the original experience they had. It's just a loud noise. Mm Mm-hmm. But because their mind creates those associations and connections, then there's a new trigger for them. So in the all of the help that you've provided, first responders, military, and people like me, yeah, is that the greatest joy that you get? Is taking that, taking a situation that's that overwhelming, or is there another part of your job that's even more gratifying than that, which I can't even fathom? <laughs> uh, I tell you what, I, I I love the the aha moment at the end of it. Mm-hmm. When well, I worked with a, a woman this morning. I've I've actually known this girl for forty years, and uh, she wanted to quit smoking. And and at the end of it, she's sitting there crying because she'd been a smoker for thirty six years, and it was gone. It's like the switch had been turned off. So for me, just just seeing that aha moment and, and that sense of relief that people have. And I think it's that sense of awe as well. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what people understand is that I'm, the, I'm facilitating the process. I, I'm just here to guide people through the experiences. I use techniques that I know are going to get me results, okay, because I've done this thousands of times. Mm-hmm. But the work happens in you. I'm just here to, to, to kind of guide and coax and, and maneuver you around to your mind starts to reconnect those, those resources in a way that's really going to benefit you in the end. Yeah. So for the people out there that are like new, this idea is brand new to them, I'll paint the picture that I received. So I talked to Steve about something that happened to me in my youth that was put a huge chasm between myself and somebody else. Right. And... <clears throat> So you asked me to think of the greatest, happiest moment of my life and give me as many visuals and descriptions of that moment. So I tell you that. And you're like, now tell me, tell me about this negative place. So you gave me all those descriptions. I give all the adjectives and all the feels and everything I felt. And then you took me back to the, think about that great moment. And we, we lived that great moment. And then you took me back to the negative moment. And then we started to pick up the pace a little bit, moving back and forth between 
the great <clears throat> moment, the greatest moment of my life in this mm-hmm. moment that I'm trying to eliminate. Yeah. And for 30 minutes, back, forth, back, forth, back. And it starts to get really fast at the end mm-hmm. until all of a sudden you can no longer distinguish yep. the greatest moment of your life and the this particular worst moment of your life. And so I did this because I, w- I couldn't believe that you, when you said that you could do it, <laughs> right? because that person was coming yeah. to see me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm there and we're, we're doing some things together. And he said, Hey, are you, you doing all right? I'm like, yeah, why? He goes, I feel like Virgil's back. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, it's been a long time since we've been able to, like, do something like this. And mm-hmm. I just feel like, I feel like the, the 16-year-old Virgil's back. And I'm like, Steve, you son of a gun. How did you do that? <laughs> but, I mean, it's obvious because now I don't even, I actually can't even recall. Mm-hmm. I have no memory yeah. of it happening. I heard about it. Yep. You know, it's like it's like a it yep. almost becomes a third person story, not a first person actual. Right. And to me, there's where I use the self hypnosis that you taught me. Mm-hmm. Is that now I do, and whether I, I know that it works, I might not do it as well as you can do it for me. Mm-hmm. But if I experience something, yeah, terrible, I will immediately do that myself. Right. I'll go back to the moment that was so great, take it all in, all the feelings, and then gravitate toward that that terrible experience and move back and forth as long as I can until I have that feeling. Yeah. It goes to feel like it in my stomach that it's gone. Yeah, we did that God, when was that? That was Buddy, that twelve was, years ago? That was two thousand six. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was thirteen years ago. Thirteen years ago. Yeah. So you know the techniques and the processes that I use have have, you know, obviously uh, matured since then too. Oh, evolved. I mean, you sure. you learn, you keep oh, learning, yeah. Yeah. and then I you're mean, like after thousands and thousands and thousands of sessions. Yeah, yeah. You like you find something, and you're like, wow, that's that's that gets me faster, better mm-hmm. results. Because that's all you're into. You're into making people's lives better quickly. Quickly. Yep. Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't like people. I'm not, you know, I, I I do have coaching clients that I work with mm-hmm. for for months at a time. Okay, mm-hmm. but it's not to, not to clear stuff out. It's it's to help them continue to move forward and create new strategies, new resources, so they're continuing to move in the direction they want to go. Those are the only long term clients I have. Mm-hmm. The, the people who come in to release stuff from the past, and one, two, three, four sessions tops. Yeah, you know, somebody comes in for weight. And uh, I, I do require four sessions because there's always more to wait than wait. Usually, it's and 99% of the time, it's emotional. Yeah. And uh, we don't usually get to that in the first session. So, Because it's amazing how we, we slide it under the carpet, hmm. the pain. Yeah. Well, people get so used to their pain, they, they don't even know they're in it sometimes. Yeah. You know, you no take somebody who, who's, who dips in and out of depression, they may not even know they're depressed until somebody goes, are you okay? And they're like, oh, well, maybe I'm not. Yeah. Because they've just slowly just worked their way down into it. And next thing you know, they're they're in that state and uh, just don't even know that they're really even there. They just kind of become numb to the whole thing because it's their norm. Yeah. So true, man. And that's like to me, obviously I have multiple missions with this. One is the guy I love talking with people. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing radio for so long right. that – 
I wanted to do something other than just golf. Right. You know, and but I just sense that there's such a drastic screaming need for mental wellness, not just mental illness, oh, just no. mental you're, you're wellness. Absolutely correct. Yeah. And <clears throat> so, I mean, obviously, I'm, I, I got golf professionals coming on here, and I got people in the golf industry coming on here, and I got musicians coming on here because mm-hmm. I love music, and right. I and I got I've had a winemaker yeah. and a sommelier come in here, nice. and I'll continue to nice. move my wine because you know I love wine. Yeah. And then I'll have other athletes that don't that that don't play golf. Yeah. But they, they know what it takes to be great. Yeah. And I'm trying to extract like just one little thing and put it in my front pocket. Right. And put it in everybody else's front pocket. And not to mention the fact that w- one thing that you say I might not need, but somebody else out there, you exactly. could change their life, man. Exactly. Yeah. And um, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to it for a reason. Yeah. There, there's there's a, there's a purpose behind this. You may not recognize or realize what it is yet, but yeah. Yeah. Celestine prophecy. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's a purpose behind everything. Yeah, man. Yeah. Not, they don't. Nothing happens for a reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 everything is. It's uh, there's an intervention. Mm-hmm. The bigger uh, picture than we know. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, there's one thing that I did learn uh, in the past with you is. When you see a lot of people, you take on a lot of stuff, mm. and you have to learn how to flush the system. Yeah, because you you hear a lot of bad stuff, a lot of hurtful things, and you you sometimes it can be just horrific. Oh, I've and heard you some, and you've heard ab- some pretty wild and, stuff. And yeah. you you have to absorb it, so you have to learn how to to purge that out of your system. Talk to, I mean, there, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling and they may not yeah. be, you know, in the place where hypnosis is, uh, where they can access it. Yeah. Well, they can now because they can get you anytime. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm available worldwide. I yeah. keep on thinking about I keep on forgetting the fact that we're in the, the 21st century yeah. and anything can happen anywhere. Yeah. I've had clients on, uh, well, from Norway to Australia and mm-hmm. everywhere in between. How do you, how do you purge yourself? How do, what do you do every day to kind of get rid of all the, all the, the toxic stories that you've heard well, while helping. You know, o- over the years, I've kind of kind of developed this, uh, this view of people that I know that no matter what anybody brings in, no matter what problem they have, I know they have the resources to overcome it. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, I don't have to get caught up in their pain anymore. I used to. Oh, okay. got it. I know you're going to be okay. You can sit there and you can lose your mind in front of me, but you're going to be fine. Okay? This moment may not be the pleasant moment. This moment may suck. It may be one of the worst things you're experiencing, but I know you're going to be okay. You, you, you've got all the resources. Mm-hmm. So, so knowing that now kind of gives me a, a little bit of dissociation from it. I, I can be more objective in those experiences. But I, I do have a daily routine as well. You know, uh, first thing I do every morning is meditate. Uh, I do that before I, before I ever look at any screen, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what size it is. Yeah. I don't look at my phone. I don't look at my iPad, my computer, anything. I take care of Steve first. And that starts my day off with, with a sense of peace and a sense of calm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where, where most people, if you think about, well, if you think about stress, you know, zero being bottom line, 10 being just losing their stuff. Yeah. Too many people hang out at eight. And when something stressful happens, all of a sudden it bumps them up to a 10, Right. I've learned how through with meditation, with self-hypnosis, to keep myself about a two. So those things can still happen to me. 
they're still going to bump me up two notches, but I'm going to go to a four yeah. rather than a ten. And, and I think it's so, and anybody who's listening, I encourage meditation and self-hypnosis. Uh, be, uh, that's, that's the most important thing I do for myself every day yeah. is to take care of my mind. And with the meditation, I'm just clearing everything out and just letting everything go. I'm just sitting. I'm just being. Yeah. I'm not trying to force anything. I'm not trying to get my mind to do anything. I'm just, I'm just sitting. Yeah. And I, I, what I, I use a form of uh, meditation, a basic meditation uh, from uh, Vipassana, which is basically I'm just focusing on the air moving in and out of my nostrils. That's it. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing this, it lasted about three quarters of a second before something shiny in my mind went, hey, look over here. And then there goes a squirrel. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, my mind's flying all over the place. And I think that's where people really, really lose it with meditation because they're expecting their mind to shut off. And, and when your mind has spent decades doing whatever it's wanted to do, it's not going to stop in the, in, in the first time you do this. That's it's right. going to take some practice. But, but the practice that you put into it is, will, will pay you dividends in ways that you cannot even imagine down the road. Yeah. With the self-hypnosis, there's actually intention behind it. And my intention, I did it today at lunch, I'll do it again this evening, is uh, at, at lunch I'm, I'm telling my mind, okay, take what you need from these sessions this morning, what did you learn from this, and let the rest go. I don't need to carry anybody's pain. I don't need to carry anybody's stuff. But I may have learned one little nugget that, that I can add to my toolbox, you mm-hmm. know, that, that's going to help me with somebody else down the road. Yeah. I'll do the same thing again in the evening, and at night I turn off all the screens and I read for an hour before I go to sleep. And uh, my favorite thing I do for myself every day. Did I ever tell you about my, my book of celebration? No. No? Man, this is my favorite thing I do for myself every day. Right before I go to sleep, this is the last thing I do every night. I have a book sitting next to my bed, and this is actually the third or fourth one I've filled up. This book, it's my book of celebration. I write down at least five things in that book from the day that I celebrate. But what I'm celebrating are the the actions that I took to affect the world in a positive way. So at the end of the day, and it may seem kind of selfish or conceited or you call it whatever you want to, but I'm celebrating Steve. Yeah. This is what Steve did today. These are the good things that Steve did for the world today. You know, maybe I held the door open for somebody, or maybe I dropped 20 bucks at the grocery store for the first person behind me. You know, uh, maybe I just let somebody over in traffic, uh, which is a really nice thing to do in Nashville. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and um, so, so at the end of the day, I'm just celebrating my life. Yeah. And, There's nothing wrong with that. And that's the last thing I do before I turn off the light. You know, where most people are going to sleep and they're thinking about, God, I've got to do this tomorrow. I've got to get this stuff done today. I've got to get kids, da, 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 whatever it is, their mind is racing. And they, they finally get to sleep. They don't get any kind of restful sleep because they've been so stressed out. Again, they're hanging out at eight. Yeah. And they wake up the next morning. They're exhausted because they, don't, they didn't get any rest. Then they have to go do all this stuff that they, their mind was working on all night. You know, my, my, my sleep is kind of, it's bookended. You know, I get, I get to celebrate my life. I get to go to sleep. My mind, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. So my mind is spinning around all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I wake up in the morning and, and I'm, I'm, I'm nurturing myself by doing the meditation and, and, and doing a little, little exercise, putting good food in my body. You know, I'm taking care of me first. Yeah. And, and then I have more energy to help other people. 
Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I have to I have to take that time, or or this stuff can be overwhelming. Yeah. No doubt, because I've heard some, and I've heard some crazy stuff over the years. I'm sure you have. Yeah, some of it I won't even talk about on here. Yeah, I would say, like you know, we all have responsibilities, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, that if you're not taking care of yourself, somebody else will be. That's right. Yep. And you actually will lose your ability to help the person that you're so trying to do whatever it is that you need to do for them. Yeah. Well, people sacrifice their health taking care of somebody else, and then they're, they don't have any health for themselves, and they can't help anybody. That's right. So true. Well, after you've spent all this time doing the things you do to be great, you have to do something to recharge your batteries. Yeah, man. So, one, obviously, this show then shifts to music, sport, and wine. So when we think about music, mm-hmm. and I know that you love music, Yep. and you have a, a pretty broad... I do pretty broad depth of love yeah like there are bands that you love that are so far apart in relationships <laughs> that it's, yeah. it's interesting i've got so, over seventy-eight thousand songs on my itunes wow that's pretty strong right I, there. I don't know that i'll ever get through all the music but. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about your like your favorite band what are your favorite bands Man, you know that's that's hard to say because it really depends on my mood and the genre we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a deadhead. I've been a deadhead for years. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Garcia had a huge impact on my life, and I, I think he even had a huge impact on the work that I do and the way that I work now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both Tool fans. Yeah. You know, love Maynard. Yep. Uh, I'm a Black Sabbath fan. I, I still like Slayer. I was listening to Slayer last night while I was working. Uh, the night before last, I was listening to a, a Grateful Dead show from 1968. Wow. Uh, so, so yeah, it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I can say I have a favorite band. It just depends on the moment. Well, one of the things that I can tell, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a f- I'm about a 10% Dead fan. Okay. I don't dislike the Dead. <clears throat> yeah. At all, I saw the last Dead show with Jerry Garcia. Well, they're not Soldier everybody's Field. favorite. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we were we were both at, Ch- at Soldier Field. At Soldier Field, yeah, and then and Tool. Okay, yeah. What they both have is intricacy. Yeah, you know, and for people that don't understand either of those two bands, they in some ways they couldn't be any further apart. Yeah, in some ways they could. They're almost identical, hmm. and I think that what what that tells me about you is that. You appreciate art. I do. But you really love to go on the ride that the music takes you. Mm-hmm. And both of those bands, especially if, if the Dead Show is a very unique atmosphere because it's like it takes you outside <laughs> of yourself. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I wish it was still like that. I'd, I'd probably I'd probably be able to tour now. Yeah, <laughs> is it not the same now no, that it's dead no, and company? Not no, even close. No, not even remotely close. That's interesting. I, I no. want to hear about that because I've not seen the Dead and Company, and I love John Mayer. Well, not the, the, the band but. is good, but it, it's it's not the same. It's just not the same because back you know I started going to see the Dead in the late '80s, and I, I missed most of it. You know, because uh, I, I saw I, I saw them for about six years on okay. and off. And back then, you, you there was there was about fifty thousand people that would go from city to city. It was it was literally a mobile city, going from show to show. Wow! And it was a community. And, and on the parking lot, you could buy anything you needed to survive. 
there were clothes out there, there was food out there, some probably some other things out there you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> want to talk about right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they had every people were selling water, everything, like, everything, fruit drinks, everything, everything is yep. there. It, it was and it was a community. And in fact, I was talking to a friend of mine about this this morning uh, because when because we were talking about the dead, I was talking about that that show from '68, and how it was, such, it was a great show. Uh, I think it was Fillmore West, but. Uh, we were talking about just the, the experience, the community, and the connection. And of all the shows I went to, I never saw a single person get violent at all. Yeah. I saw some people raise some voices, you know, because there were some arguments and some disagreements, but it never went beyond that. Mm-hmm. I've, seen, I've gone to other shows just walking across the parking lot and seeing guys fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we're talking about an entire city moving from place to place to place. And it was, it, but there was a sense of freedom to it because yeah. you could be whoever you wanted to be out there, and just everybody's is all cool. Yeah, just be who you want to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it smelled a lot like patchouli too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that I'm always fascinated by because we went to see Tool together yeah. uh, two years ago. Yeah. And Great show. It was unbelievable. And so I, I, I know that you know all of these things. I was trying to, because I think people out there are interested in it. You know, like when you go see a tool show, mm-hmm. you got the lights. Yeah. And then the rhythms have a hypnotic beat to it. Yep. And then Maynard sings off rhythm to the other band members who are also playing off rhythm to each other. Mm-hmm. And all of the sounds culminate every once in a while and, at the exact same time. Into this perfection. Yeah. yeah. And how is it that these shows, what is it about the beats and the light and the, the loudness of it? Because your brain, like what's happening to people is that the, more of their senses mm-hmm. are being tapped. Yep. And it takes us out of our mind. It shuts off the prefrontal cortex because it's not trying to control it. In yeah. some ways, it's maybe overstimulation shuts off the prefrontal cortex. It's primal. Yeah. It's primal. That's probably the best word for it. It's primal. But because, I mean, you can trace this back to the original humans. You, you can go back to, well, go to Africa right now, you know, and the drums. And it's that rhythm. It, it puts people into a trance. Yeah. People are trance all the time anyway. They just don't know it. They still don't know it. Yeah. I mean, go, gosh, look at anybody staring at any size screen. They're in a trance. Yeah. Whether it's their phone, their computer, their television, movie, whether they... Because uh, I see hypnosis everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Because most people have a bad definition of what hypnosis is. <laughs> Without a doubt. You know, most people think it's, I'm, I'm going to... I'm gonna, you know, and you're just going to close your eyes and not remember anything. You're going to come Start back clucking, clucking like, a, like chick. a chicken. <laughs> you know, every time a car horn honks or some stupid stuff like that. But but hypnosis <laughs> happens eyes open. Yeah. In fact, most of the work that I do now is very conversational. Uh, but but when we're talking about music, you know, and, and the Grateful Dead were a great example of this because they they could just wander off. Yeah. You know, and, and and just pull you along in this experience and you're just going with this flow and people are dancing and they're just kind of lost in it. And I I didn't even know back then that that was that was that was what was happening that these people were in these trances. Yeah. But people go in and out of them all the time. So it it connects with that primal part of us. 
I mean, it goes right into the amygdala. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, that goes back to, you know, just the origins of us. And I think that's so important for, for everybody to, to grasp is like, that's why I talk about going to live shows mm -hmm. is because when you get into that flow state and it is so good for you mm -hmm. in your soul yep. to experience that, you know, that's why I try to tell people all the time. There's a reason why people who start to surf never stop surfing. Right. It's because it opens up a portal. You know, it like cleanses them. Yeah. And they can't stop. Yeah. Well, they it, have to. It's all trance. It's all. Uh, because when you're surfing, it has a level of life or death in it. Mm -hmm. So you're, the, the parts of your brain that need to be hyper aware yeah. without the prefrontal cortex can't control it. Yep. It's too... It's happening too fast for that to control it. So you like flip off into this different place of your brain. Yep. And the same reason I ride. Yeah. Same. Yeah. The motorcycle. Yeah. It's so. It's it's like a portal to another place that allows you to recharge and reset. So that when you go back into the daily grind. Yeah. Well, you you in those situations you can't be consciously involved. That's right. Or you're going to screw it up. That's guaranteed. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, if I'm riding down the highway, man, I can think about all kinds of things. My mic can go wherever I want. But as soon as I hit those curvy, hilly roads and my attention has to be fully on what I'm doing, there is nothing else. Yeah. There is nothing but that moment. Yeah, nothing. And, and that's why I ride. That's right. It's just, it's, it's freedom. It's freedom from everything, from all the BS that, uh, you know, I might think about during the day. I don't have to think about marketing. I don't have to think about calling anybody back. I don't have to think about that session or girlfriend or blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's just so concentrated in that moment. I think that's what music does too. It brings us into the moment Yeah. and we can let everything else go. And it is, it's like a cleansing. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. You know, depending on the music, there's, there's yeah. some pretty crappy music out there. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> when you think of the, I'll, I'll do it in, in uh, multiple ways because I know you have so many different genres you like, but what's the greatest rock concert you've been to? Mm, man. Greatest rock concert. Uh, gosh, man, there have been a lot. I'll tell you the most intense I've been to that really stands out for me was 1993 at 328 Performance Hall mm -hmm. Tool. Wow. And that was back when they were so raw, too. Oh, man. It was so, so intense. And uh, we were lucky we even got into the show because we didn't have tickets mm -hmm. and uh, paid the uh, the bouncer at the back door 20 bucks to get us in the, through the back. Nice. <laughs> it just threw us out in the crowd. <laughs> um, I'll take that back. It might have been 92. Uh, but it was it was several it was but it was man there was just that energy in that room it was just raw yeah I mean it was it was super super intense and I've seen, it, seen them several times since then so so different now oh it is yeah it, well, so it, different now they, they're playing these big big stadiums and, and you know these big arenas and and when uh, did you ever go to three twenty eight uh, here in a long, long, like my first year that I was here, and it yeah. closed down right after I got yeah, here. Yeah, man, I hated to see that venue go. It was such a great venue. Uh, I saw some really, really good shows there. My ears bled at the show that I went to. It was yeah, so loud. That was that was part of it. <laughs> it was so loud. Oh my god. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, no kidding. But that was definitely one of the most intense shows I've ever seen, and that's why it really stands out. Yeah. You know. Um, 
But I saw a couple Grateful Dead shows too that just blew my mind. Yeah, like when you know, I was getting ready to say that you're, you're, you have a bunch of jam bands, obviously the Dead leading the league in that. Yeah. What's your favorite jam band show that you ever want to go see? Oh, it's Dead, definitely. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Fish. I've seen Fish mm-hmm. several times, uh, but. You know, the thing is, having come from the dead and, and, and the whole fish scene, even even back in the 90s, fish wasn't the same as going to a dead show. Uh, there, there was a different energy that yeah. was there. So I, I didn't follow fish around as, you know, like I did the dead. I went to several dead shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, fish, though, you know, I, I've seen a bunch, but, mm-hmm. but they just they, they didn't entice me enough to really get involved in, in the community and get pulled into it mm-hmm. uh, just because that, that whole energy was, it was foreign to me at that point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Uh, on my flight back from London, I watched the Amy Winehouse story. Mm, yeah. You know, and. What a great voice. Oh, so good. And yeah. like, so it's interesting because I try to, because I'm in a situation now where I'm, I'm coaching high school kids. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I'm also dealing with a sport. So then you got the jock, the jock mindset. Right. Okay. And this this is a really rough age for everybody because mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out who they are, where they're sure. going to be, how they fit in, stuff like that. That was me till thirty. Yeah. <laughs> so like you look at it, you know, Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, all died the same age. Yeah. Okay. Right after they went around Saturn once, mm-hmm. twenty eight years. Yep. Okay, and I, it's so funny. There's the people that were the jocks that made fun of the the people that were nerdy or musical. And it, as like ten years go by, and then that guy's music is making that guy perform. Right, and then they ultimately end up like wishing they could be that guy, and that guy is ultimately wishing they could be the other guy. And so it's interesting. Like great music comes from the polar sides of love or pain mm. you know and yeah. it's it's fascinating to watch some humans evolve and grow through the pain yeah and others will die don't handle it well yeah actually jerry was like that jerry didn't handle it well yeah jerry did jerry didn't want to be deified yeah Gar- garcia did not want to be the grateful dead god he just wanted to play his freaking guitar and entertain people. Yeah. And uh, that's why he ended up back on drugs again at the end. It's, uh, unfortunately, that's what killed him was getting off heroin again. Mm-hmm. And uh, his body couldn't handle it. Yeah, I think that's so... That's the, th- the part about music that is so intriguing to me is that people really struggle. It was two year, two days ago. This is the 11th, right? Yeah. July 9th was the, uh, the Soldier Field show. That's right, 1995. 95. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Time flies when you're having fun. You're not kidding. <laughs> wow, 23 years, 24 years ago. Yeah, his death anniversary is coming up August 9th. Yeah, yep. that's unbelievable. But I just sit back and I'm listening to all of these, like Chester Benefield, the guy who was a singer for Linkin Park and then mm-hmm. filled in for another dead singer, mm-hmm. Scott Weiland, mm-hmm. you know, for Stone Temple Pilots. Right. And, you, and, and then Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, oh, all these guys are yeah. struggling with depression amy winehouse depression to yeah. just galore and jim morrison and and it's fascinating like people really don't know how to stop struggling mm-hmm. and i I've, I've talked about this a couple of times in my podcast but it just it blew me away in uh maynard's uh documentary blood into wine 
he was sitting in this cafe and somebody asked him about his music. And he, there are certain songs he doesn't sing anymore, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Because he wrote that song with a certain level of pain. Sure. And then once he worked through that pain, doesn't need to carry it anymore. He doesn't need to carry it anymore, and he won't sing it anymore. Yeah. And and one of them that we haven't talked about this one on the podcast is ten thousand days. So ten thousand days is a reference to how many days his mom lived after she had her her aneurysm became quadriplegic. Mm. Okay. Mm. And it's eerily similar to the same amount of days that her hero, Jesus Christ, lived. Mm. 10,000 days. So he was, it was actually at Bonnaroo that he was, he played it. And he stopped because people were moshing Mm. to a song that he was giving a, and if you ever get the lyrics to that song, man, it is absolutely unbelievable because he's kind of hard to follow because yeah. he's apt to leave the first half of the word be the end of the <laughs> sentence that you hear and the and the, the beginning of the next sentence is the last yeah. that last half of that last word. Yeah, yeah. So you don't, sometimes he, he throws you off with where he's going and it, he said that'd be the last time he'd ever play that song. Hmm. That that was when he had worked through the pain so that he was able to actually he was no longer like in his world singing the song. He was paying attention, and he's like, right. "I'm done with this." Yeah. What is it that you feel like could be done to help people move past the pain? Uh, well, you know, the thing is, everybody carries their own pain, so it, it's difficult to say what specifically, uh, because everybody I work with is different. Yeah. I, I never know. You know, the thing is, I, I've. You know, like yourself, I, I, I walk into to, to your, your golf center here, and you've got these tools all over the place to help you do the things you do. Not only that, but, but your internal experiences from, from decades of playing golf and watching golfers. You, you've got a toolbox, mm-hmm. a massive size toolbox. And, and just like you, you don't know exactly what you're going to do with any, any student who walks in here until they start swinging. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to say until somebody comes in, and then I'm going to start digging through my toolbox in my head, going, "Oh, this is the tool we need for this right now." And hopefully, that's the one that's going to work. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if if it doesn't quite fit, you know, maybe I need to pick up a bigger wrench. You know, then I'll pull one out, or maybe right. I'll get a hammer out and yeah. beat them. You know, Good point. Good point. <laughs> depending Good point. on what they need. It's interesting. Another thing that's been ubiquitous in life uh, is the search for spirit, mm-hmm. like like a like a wine. Or a bourbon, or, mm. or 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 you know, beer to that extent. Yeah, I'm a big lover of wine, and I know yeah. that, that you do too. And and but you also love bourbons, and I you love do love bourbons. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, obviously nothing's meant to be abused, but mm, it's interesting right. to like when you have an unbelievable bottle of wine, and you're with friends. Yeah. It's just another sensory awareness. But like when you think about what friends and wine, whiskey, whatever you want to yeah. talk about. What is it that that means to you and how the how those things that unify, you know, things you love and people that you love bring things together and help you recharge your batteries? Uh, are we talking specifically about the, the spirits? Yeah, anything. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, some of that goes, well, I, I probably, you know, I, well, hell, everybody everybody did this in high school. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it, it connected us. Yeah. You know, we go to parties, we drink beer with each other. You know, it brought us together. There, there's something about that stuff, and it goes. I mean, we can trace this back for millennia. Oh gosh, yeah. You know, it just it brings people. Well, it brings people together, and if it's abused, it separates them. That's right. You know, and, and I've been on both sides of that. 
because, uh, again, like I said, smoking two packs a day was one of the better things that I was doing to myself 20 years ago. Bourbon was one of the things that I was doing that wasn't in, in you know, it wasn't doing me any good at the time. Uh, I still love the stuff. I mm. just, I'll have a drink or two now yeah. <laughs> rather right. than a bottle. And, uh, but yeah, I think it just, uh, it connects us because it's, it's, it's so, it goes back through, through our, our entire history of humanity. You know, as soon as somebody figured out they could ferment something and it made them feel a little bit better, you know, it's time to party and have some fun with your friends. Yeah. Um, I, I don't drink much, honestly, you know, gosh, I've probably got 30 bottles of wine at home. Uh, in fact, I've got a can of beer in my refrigerator that's been there since I moved. I moved it with me. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't drink at home. Mm-hmm. You know, if I go out with friends, I'll have a couple of drinks. But uh, but yeah, I, I love a good bottle of wine. You know, uh, and like a good you know today like today a good crisp white. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I may have a I may have a, a glass when I get home. Uh, well, what's the What's the best? What's the, your favorite red wine you ever had? Oh, favorite red. Um, well, let's see. You know, I'm a fan of silver oak. I uh, love silver oak. Oh, my goodness, uh, yeah. I was a little disappointed recently. A friend of mine invited me out to dinner. Somebody had given her a, 2000, a 2003 silver oak cab, and she wanted to share it with me. I'm like, oh, this is so good. And it, it had turned. Oh, <laughs> bummer. Oh, man. We were, we were disappointed. That's a crusher. Uh, but I think the best I've ever had was from 1928. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because when I first moved to Nashville, I was actually working at the Capitol Grill at the Hermitage Hotel. Yeah. And uh, we had uh, a, a party one night for a gentleman who had started a record company. He was in his 70s. And they brought in every bottle of wine was from his birth year. And uh, they had over a quarter million dollars worth of wine. Oh, wow. And there were only like, you know, eight bottles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and, wow. and of course, we weren't even allowed to open the bottles. The, uh, the gentleman who brought them in, I'm not going to mention his name. He's here in Nashville. Yeah. Anybody who knows anything about wine in Nashville knows who he is. Uh, but he, uh, he wouldn't let us touch the bottles. But once we were finished, there was a little bit left, you know, because they didn't want to pour the sediment. So we yeah. took it to the back and ran it through a coffee filter. <laughs> and uh, and Olive's got to try these bottles of wine that were 75 years old. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, there was a red. I can't tell you what it was or where it was from, but it was the most amazing thing I've ever tasted. Yeah. Uh, and there was a Russian port, too, that was just absolutely incredible. Wow. Uh, Interesting. Well, I take that back. It may not have been a port. It was some kind of really sweet dessert wine, though. Interesting. It was seventy-five years old. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite bourbon whiskey or whiskey? Oh man. Oh gosh. That's that. That's that's tougher. Uh. <laughs> like to me, I think that Angel's Envy, the Caribbean cask rye, mm-hmm. that should be outlawed. I haven't tried the I haven't tried the Caribbean cask. Right? I'm telling you, I have a bottle of Angel's Envy at home, and I do enjoy oh, it. Oh my goodness, the Caribbean cask rye. Maybe I'll run downtown. This is evening. wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's so good that it shouldn't taste that good and be that powerful. Really? It. Uh, I, so this is that's a problem with bourbon anyway. Like four <laughs> four years ago at Christmas, a guy comes and he's a Virgil. You're going to hate me for doing this, but you, I, I just got you this for for Christmas, and thanks for all your help. And I'm yeah. like. What is it? And he goes, 
It's uh, it should be illegal. Yeah, it's heaven in a bottle, huh? But, so just so let's have it. So he brought he had ice and a, and I'm like, this is whiskey. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm like, man, that's wrong. Yeah. That is so good. <laughs> oh my goodness, I mean, I've had I've had I've, like I I love a good bourbon or a good whiskey, yep. but I don't really get into like more than a glass. It's like something I'll have like once a. Yeah, like maybe four times a year at the most. Yeah, and I'll usually have it with you know on the rocks or maybe it maybe barely any like water in it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, don't want to don't want to ruin bourbon. No, but it's not <laughs> saying like that's something. I'm like I better not have that at the house. Yeah, that's a dangerous one. See, I've got it. it the thing is, like I said, I don't drink at home. Yeah, I, I could have I could have a whole bar at my house and it wouldn't it wouldn't matter. Oh. Um, I just, I just don't. If somebody comes over, I may offer them a glass, and yeah. I'll sit and have a glass with them. But as soon as they're gone, I'm not going to touch it anymore. Yeah, interesting. Um, and I think that's coming from from where I was because sure. you know back in the day, I was I was pretty abusive of this stuff. Yeah, you know, I would, uh, yeah, a few glasses would just wet my palate and like, okay, now it's on. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's um, exactly right. But I uh, do love a good glass. Yeah, know, a couple of rocks in it just to break it and. You know, uh, yeah. What's the? Uh, I know you're not. You you you've cut the cable, like a million years ago. Yeah, you're not 2004. like. Yeah, you don't get overly involved in the, uh, in the sporting event world and the Saturday night college footballs and the Sunday college football. I mean, the Sunday NFL and I the college basketball. And whatever. Play, I, I don't even know who's playing in the Super Bowl this year until the day of. Is that right? <laughs> That's funny. But was was there ever a sporting event that you went to that you remember that was just like? Unbelievable. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy hockey. I, I like mm. going to hockey games. Uh, I, it's not something I do on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'd say that's probably it because I, I, I'm, you know, I, I work with a lot of athletes. Yeah, I've worked with Titans. I've worked with the Preds. I've worked with a lot of your students mm-hmm. over the years. I've worked with all kinds of people. Yeah. Uh, it just it's never been uh, never been a huge part of my life. Yeah, it's interesting that co- like everybody wants to play for the National Predators. Everybody wants to play here. Yeah, because it is a show, right? And I think now like more and more people are coming here to see what we're doing yeah. because you start going to different places now and they're kind of doing what Nashville's doing. Well, I wish they'd take it back and go away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and take a few cars with you. Yeah, no uh, kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a uh, it's a very important piece to uh, to garner that and, and get a good grip yeah. on uh, on like all the things that can recharge your batteries. So when the... Uh, when I finish the show, I always have a thought-provoking question that will make you uh, make you think a little bit. And this is right down your alley. And I've used this probably in the majority of my shows so far, but okay. I just think it's so good. And it's from Jason Silva, and Jason Silva's, you know, was the, one of the original guys in the Flow Genome Project, and he's je- definitely one of the more uh, provocative thinkers out there. And he said to me, or not to me, but I was just, I was watching it. It's like, you experience three deaths in your life. Mm-hmm. One is the, the, the day you find out you're going to die. Yeah. And then the second is the day that you die. And the third is the last time anybody ever mentions your name. Mm. Mm. So everybody's, everybody's going to die. We don't know. Sure. We already know that. What is it that you're doing? To make that that last death stay real far away, 
What are you doing? What not, are you trying not, to give not, back to the world? What are you trying to give back to the world so that people will always be looking at that that your name can keep on being mentioned years and years after you're gone? Yeah. Um, for me, man, it, it goes it goes straight back to my hypnosis work. It's uh, I I, I want to leave a legacy, and and I think to this this point, I really already have. You know, I was talking to a bunch of my students last night that I'm teaching my stop smoking protocol to. And, you know, I've helped over 4,500 people quit smoking. And, you know, we were talking about the fact that it's not just 4,500 people. It's, it's their parents. It's their spouse, their boyfriends, girlfriends, their kids, their cousins, their friends, their, their fellow employees that are being affected by them changing their life. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm leaving behind is is, is I want to leave in, in my wake uh, as many healthy, happy, uh, productive people who, who who get control of their lives. Yeah, you know, because uh, most people don't really have control of their lives. Yeah. They think they do. Yeah, but they're doing the same stuff every day. And, and their life has control of them. Yeah, and that's yeah. the that's the other control. And that's that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. How can my listeners uh, learn more about what you do, set up a session through Skype? Mm-hmm. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, a couple different ways. You can go to steverame.com. It's steve, R-O-E-H-M.com, because uh, I mispronounced my name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're not as bad as Brett Favre. But <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I think there may be like three people in my life who've actually pronounced it correctly. Uh, actually, my family doesn't even pronounce it correctly. It's actually pronounced with M. Uh, it's German, but well. nobody's got that tongue thing in West Kentucky, so <laughs> <laughs> somehow it became Rame. Yeah. Uh, but it's Steve R O E H M dot com, and uh, you can find me there. You can also find me at NashvilleHypnosis dot com. Got it. Uh, if you're uh, really interested in learning, then uh, you can go to ConversationalHypnosisTraining.com. dot com. And uh, I teach hypnosis and uh, teach people how to do what I do to a certain extent. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, teach the foundation course. It's, yeah. It still takes time. Just like you know, yeah. I, I couldn't pick up a club and come in here and, and be you. Yeah, you know, you've got to take years to do that. Sure. Well, I, I think that it's really important for people to understand that uh, that you're out there. Mm. And it, they don't have to be in Nashville to see you. You be anywhere in the world, long, as long as you have a high speed connection, high speed internet connection. You got a webcam and some headphones. We yeah. can work wherever you are. Yeah, it's yeah. really it's really important. Well, I can tell you right now that you're one of the most important people in the world to me. Uh, you've helped change my life. I appreciate that. Uh, you've changed so many of my players. Yeah. To a positive place, and you make a huge impact on life more than you know. And I just, the reason that it's so important for me to have you on is because I really, I want more people to experience your greatness because you have changed so many people's lives that have nothing to do with golf. And then, but it's, you give back to our country, you help players play better golf, Mm -hmm. hockey, football, baseball, basketball, you help people quit smoking, help people lose weight. And I know that hypnosis is misunderstood. Oh God. But hopefully, (laughs) hopefully after this hour and 10 minutes of time people will be willing to give it a chance because it's not hocus pocus it's just a fundamental it, it, you know if if they have any questions they can give me a call too yeah I, i'm happy to answer any questions anybody has about this work because it's it saved my life yeah 
And, and that's why I hold, you know, when I see stage shows and people who are doing stuff like that, it uh, it downplays something that that is that it really is life altering. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I hold this work with the highest of reverence, and I'm happy to talk to anybody about any aspect of it. And uh, if I feel like I can help somebody, we'll move forward. If I don't, then then I'll let you know. Yeah, you know, uh, because I'm not trying to take money from somebody for nothing. It's not what I'm after. I want. I well, like I said, the, the, my favorite thing is watching that shift happen. Yeah. That aha moment. People go, "Oh my God, what what just happened?" When they can't even remember the problem anymore. Yeah. Well, you're beautiful, buddy. So great to have you on The Verge. Verge. My flesh, buddy. Man, always good to see you, sir. Chrome Soft isn't just another tour ball. It's the golf ball that's changing how tour balls are made. When Callaway made a low-compression, low-spin tour ball, others said they might be onto something and tried to do the same. But they can't, because Chrome Soft is the only ball engineered with graphene-infused, dual soft fast core for serious speed and unbelievable control around the greens see for yourself why everyone is playing and loving chrome soft order the ball that changed the ball at callawaygolf.com